Gregoire and Dan Biston are smart enough to know better. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of Smart Enough to Know Better. A podcast of science, comedy and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. And I'm Gregoire. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, I'm going to tell you about how nice rats are. And I'm going to tell you why cats hide in boxes. Also, I am going to take to the skies. And when he's there, we're going to work out whether he'd kill Hitler. Also, what you can't see might hurt you. So how's your week in science been? I've done very little in science this week, beyond my job, which is sort of science-related. Other than that, not really anything outside of science stuff. Huh. All right. Um, How about you? I almost drowned. That's not science. It kind of can be related. Right. I'm 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 going to... Are you going to give yourself a a night spatula for this? No. Did you save your life with science? No. Oh, okay. No. Because remember, we didn't let other people get away with rescuing people. That was not cool. Okay, okay, that's fine. No, someone rescued someone. That that was our first night spatula. Oh, then then Dan, you can have a night spatula. Not for rescuing myself. Oh, okay, right. Um, It depends if you put yourself in danger or not. Yeah, using science. Oh, okay. Uh, so, Southeast Queensland got hit with a monster rainstorm a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yes, yes. After the one last year, which was Stormageddon, this one wasn't that big. It was nothing. Well, last year it was very windy. Yeah, and ice. And lots of ice, of ice coming ice, in An entire esky of death. Now, right. this, this, was not, this was not that. Oh. This was just an enormous amount of water. Yeah, well... It was like t- 250 mil of water in a four-hour period or something. Can I just point out that, that as I get older and uh, see more and larger weather events, they don't impress me like they used to. Like, I know the one you're talking about. It was pretty pretty big, but that's as far as I go. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. In fact, the whole city flooded twice in just over a year. I'm just like, I'm not trying to put down the horror of the... Yeah, but our place didn't. No, and it did this time. Oh, but now it's personal. It's personal. Right, right. So in the evening, my rather naive wife... The frog princess says, I'm going to jump on a train and come home. And I said, I would recommend that you stay in the city mm. and get some dinner mm. because I think that out here is going to be a little bit of a problem. And she went, no, I'm going to catch a train, and but I might have to stop halfway. So can you come pick me up? And I'm like, oh, this will be fun. <laughs> and I drove out and there's a big puddle of water out the front. Yes. And I'm like, yep. oh, okay. So I drove through it carefully. But if it's flooded, forget it. Yeah, that's right. So it was a little bit flooded. but So, so I half forgot it. So, so yeah. You forgot that you've got the same. I misplaced thing. it. Is yes. what I did. <laughs> and so, and where, then I, where is that flood? And I drove out, and I, and I went down to, to the bridge, and there's all this traffic uh, backed up before the bridge, and I'm like, "Well, there goes that plan." Yeah, and now and I, I live on an estimate. Yeah, so I, as I, so I'll just duck back through the back streets. So and now go, you know, ladies and gentlemen, that Dan lives somewhere shush, close to an shush. easily floodable bridge. Easily floodable bridge. I'm just going to change the name of the podcast to my address. <laughs> but but do it like one house over so your neighbour gets attacked instead. Attacked? Well, I mean... I'm uh, not naming... Pres- so I mean- anyway, I was driving up this mountain, this snow-covered mountain. <laughs> so I've ducked down a back street mm. and gone... Oh, your back street. Oh, I'm sorry. I've ducked down a back street. Uh, I thought you said you wanted to leave at some point. <laughs> Go on. So I ducked down this this back street and I, I'm like, oh, the lights this is not very very well lit. I can't even see the road marking. Splush, 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 splush. Mm. Oh God, I'm driving into a lake. Oh wow. And I'm like, oh, well, there's probably traffic behind me. Oh, now I've got to do a three point turn. It's really hard to do a three point turn when you can't tell where the gutters are. <laughs> so I did a nine point turn. Right. And I drove back home and realised that both streets to my place uh, were covered in water. Mm. And I drove mm. back and I'm like. Oh, that's a bit of a problem. And then I had a look at the creek near my place. There's a creek. Yeah. And I was like, wait, it's 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 a metre higher than it's supposed to be. It's up to the road level. Yep. And all the roads are flat, which yes. means that it's about 60 centimetres from flooding my house. Yes. Then it started to creep in and it rose 20 centimetres. Whoa. And I was like, oh, crap. This isn't good. And all the neighbours are getting flooded. Like, yes. we're on the highest point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yep. everyone else is but yep. we were okay. Right, thank goodness. Yeah. And so it climbed and climbed and climbed, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I, I have no idea of predicting when it's going to stop. And then I realised that the creek is a tidal creek. Uh-huh. And it was high tide at, like, 8.30 that night. Yeah. 
which means that that was probably going to be where the highest point was. With all the water coming down and the water coming up, yep. it didn't have anywhere to go. Yep. But once the tide started to go out, then the water should start draining away again. Yep, yep. And but then everyone died. This story ends with everyone being just this whole world. So I'm like, oh, 8.30 is when the high tide is. Mm-hmm. Kept going up. Mm. And there's a good reason for that. Nice. Because the tide is for at the beach. Yes. That's the high tide mark. But the pulse of that water... Has oh. to travel up the creek because you don't live right on the beach. No, so ha, uh, he doesn't live right on the beach. And uh, yeah, so, so and so how an, long? So can you give exactly how many how many minutes, minutes? How many minutes after would that pulse have reached your house, Dan? Uh, hmm. About forty six and a half minutes later, <laughs> so that that pulse of high tide would have reached up the creek. But yes. I guess there would be high tides all the way up rivers. Like if mm, it was a tidal mm, river, mm. that pulse would go. For, like, hours. I guess so, yeah. Getting smaller and smaller as time went on, I guess, too. But then all the water went out and rushed away fairly quickly after that point. Yes. And uh, everyone's put all their furniture out on the lawn the next day. And you can just take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Grab it smells it. weird. Yeah, that's right. We're going to revisit one of our old favourites. Hooray! Let's put everything into a rat. Let's put everything into a rat. We've never done this before. Yes, we have. We've Did, done it twice. Have we? It's the third time we're doing the let's put everything into our rat segment. What? It's been a while. Oh, obviously so. But it's a real thing. We've got a theme tune and everything. Do we? How do I not remember this at all? Maybe you was too caught up with everyone hates babies. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Babies yeah. are stupid. And, uh, yeah, and, um, and, uh, f- potatoes. <laughs> what the f- Potatoes. Yeah, what yeah. the f- potatoes? That's I think it's my favourite segment ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm not I'm not big into dogs. No, no, you're really not. No, no, no and no. yeah, and, and people see the like the videos, and it's like, oh, the little dog gets hit by a car, and then another dog comes and he picks up and drags him off the road, That's right, yeah. or, or like, just or just humps it, and and. And people go, oh, it's just like people. Yeah. Why people should learn from dogs. Yeah, yeah. Or they get that little dog and they're like, oh, I know that the dog is trying to communicate with me. Mm-mm. He loves me. Yes. He loves me. And I'm like, no, the dog is dealing with its biological impulse. Well, we talked on the podcast about how oh. you do actually create an oxytocin blast in your brain staring into a dog's eyes. But the dog also gets a oxytocin blast. I know, I yeah. know. So, yeah, we do have a connection with them. Yeah, yeah. They, And they've somehow rewired themselves to think like us. I know. So you did that, and yeah. like, fine, yeah, 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 fine. Yeah. It's yep. not just yep. brute no. instinct. And... No, no, no. And we're not just we're not just anthropomorphizing. They understand our facial expressions like we understand theirs. Nah. Yeah. Like Dogs are awesome. Nah. Dogs make the best people to quote a song. But there are things that human beings do that animals can't. Like we, So we're, we're putting things onto them like, like jealousy and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. desire to... Code well, yeah. That's <laughs> yes, many many schnauzers have a desire to code well, and 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 empathy, empathy. But it turns out mm. some animals actually do have empathy. Do they? Apes. Oh, okay. Yes. Elephants. Yep. Oh, yep, yep. Dolphins. Sure. Dolphins. Dolphins do terrible things to each other. So smiling sea bastards. You yeah. Mean? Yeah, 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 they do terrible things. So I guess there's some nice dolphins who are like, I'm so sorry just, that your uh, other dolphins happened I to just, you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that was, that'd be even worse for a like we're a pack of awful creatures, and yet I and I know that I'm aware. No, dolphin Jesus. <laughs> anyway, there's one dolphin who is alive for all the other dolphin sins. Anyway, not to my dolphins, are we? All the other ones are Judas dolphins. That's Judas dolphins. <laughs> Pontius pilot fish. Sorry, that gets us to putting something into a rat. Yes. <laughs> Good. What are we going to put into a rat this time? Chocolate. Are they like dogs? Do they. Oh, wait. The chocolate They're gives not humans... like dogs. Yeah, does chocolate gives humans like a blast of love? They You get the same feeling from chocolate than you get from yeah, love. Yeah, well, it's full of sugar. Yeah, but no, it's not... people love sugar. Well, no, it's in a chemical reaction. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. there is. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yes. That. But it's also full of sugar. Right, good. So yes. even if this doesn't affect rats in the <gasps> same way, yes. rats like chocolate a lot. I see. Yes. They're into it. Yeah. Or it's into them. Yeah. <laughs> hence the point of, the, of this article. And hence the name. Hence the name of this segment. Good, good, good. Chocolate goes there. So the rat gets led into the room mm-hmm. and goes, chocolate, love it. Eats the chocolate. Got it. Now, chocolate comes, uh, sorry, chocolate comes into a room. Chocolate. Eats a rat. That's right. No. Everyone screams. GMOs are kicked out. Rat comes into a room, pulls a little, le- learns to pull a little lever. Yes. Chocolate comes out, eats the chocolate. Sure. Loves the chocolate. Mm. Rat comes into a room, pulls the lever. Chocolate falls out, and in a cage next to it, another rat gets an electric shock. Right. The rat's like, I'll just eat the chocolate. 
Yeah, but yeah, screw you, right? I'm eating chocolate. A couple of days later, it goes. Oh, hang on, hang on. Cause and effect. Every time I grab this lever and get this delicious chocolate, that poor rat's getting electrocuted. Yes. No, not going to touch it. Really? Not going to touch it. No. I don't want to electrocute that guy over there. But it's chocolate. Yeah, it but doesn't it's, matter. It's, Dan, I would... Did you I would, see what happened? Well, if it was you in the other cage, I'd just... I'm sorry, I'd just keep hitting the switch. No offence, but I really like chocolate. So it's just, you know, it's like, just, um, You're lower than a rat. I am, I'm, yeah, now, good. this experiment was actually done yeah. uh, back in the 40s or the 60s, but definitely not the 50s. Mm. Maybe the 50s. So... <laughs> But what happened was they they did that. It takes research. a long time to publish, obviously. They no, this is this is, this is ancient. This is old news, right? Good. Okay, so I'm, I'm setting the foundation. I love the fact in the past people went, uh, "What'll happen if we just electrify a rat?" Ah, let's find out. Let's put two rats together and give them chocolate. What ems? Let's write a paper. Yeah, of course we're writing a paper. <laughs> paper, paper, paper. Otherwise, it, uh, it falls under a different category. Yeah, right. of... We're actually just total bastards. We're just dolphins. We're utter dolphins if we don't write a paper. Now, the the problem is that it was possible that that rat was avoiding the switch because it was worried that its floor would get electrified oh, as well. Oh, yes. That's a good idea. So maybe it was like, oh, God, one day it'll be me. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. So I was a bit anxious about that. Mm. And so some research just recently. Maybe it's not embassy. Maybe the other rat was like going, Gerald, if you pull that goddamn switch one more goddamn time, I'm going to send a message and your kids are going to get eaten. I will have your kids eaten. You know who I am? I'm a kingpin of rats. You don't cross me, Gerald. Don't you cross me. I'll have the person who eat them be the mother of the rat. <laughs> that's, what, well, that's what they do. That's what they do anyway. But, you know, it'll be personal. That's Maybe that's it. Maybe it was a threatening rat. So they wanted to try a different... Trick. So what they do is they get one rat and they imprison it in like a perspex tube. Right. And the little rat's like, oh, no, I don't really Uh-oh. upset. Where's this going? I'm really upset. Let me out of the thing. But it does it really high pitch so you can't hear it. Yeah. But other rats can. And you can actually use bat detectors to oh, hear okay. it screaming. Yeah. Or <laughs> be, uh, complaining. <laughs> Let's all listen to the rat scream. Yeah. silence of the rats. <laughs> Can you, can you hear the rats, Clarice? Yes, I can. You're some sort of superhuman. That's really high. I mean, what's up with that? You're a freak, Clarice. So the other rat comes in and it, and it's like, chocolate over here. And the rat's like, oh, this, this other rat's stuck in the tube. Yes. But there's chocolate over there. Mm. And half the rats are like, chocolate. <laughs> so we'll call them the Greg rats. Yay. <laughs> And the other half of the rats, yep. they're like, I better let this guy out first. I'm going to nip over there and murder that guy to sharp his goddamn squawking. So, what an asshole. So the little rat goes over and he opens up the cage. And it's not an easy thing to open up. Yeah. Because they were like, oh, is it just curious? Mm. In which case it's knocking out. No, it's got to really dedicate itself to opening this thing up. Yeah. Is it that he just wants to spend time with the rat? No, because you could. they set it up so that you could actually open it up and allow the other rat to rush off. Right, And yes. not interact with him at all mm. before he gets the chocolate. 50% of the rats would rather let the other rat out first oh, than eat the chocolate. That sounds terrible. So basically you're stuck in a tube and the other rat comes over and is like, hi, oh, you're stuck in a tube. Oh, let me tell you about my new manuscript that I'm writing. It's about this, I'm writing this pilot TV show. You're like, oh, jeez, just go eat the chocolate. Just don't, don't. No, 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 I'll let you out. But then you have to like talk to me. And That's a oh, very specific rat. That's what I'm just, that's you a... know, TV producer rat. I'm just saying, I'm just, you know. And so it was that these researchers are like, well, there you go, rats mm. are alongside elephants and dolphins and chimps and even us. And even humans. humans. And dolphins. You said even dolphins. horrible, horrible humans. <laughs> you said apes. In having empathy with each other. Oh, I just don't care, Dan. Uh. Fear not, ma'am. What? The smart enough know better fire service is on the case. Why are there two hoses? The little hose is for the O molecules, and the big one is for twice as many H molecules. H2O. Wait, does that even... Stand back, ma'am! So from rats to cats. Ooh. 
people like cats. People like no. cats. Well, you don't like people animals. People hate cats. They, people love cats. Like keyboard cats. Some and grum- people like cats. Grumpy cats. And, but yeah, that's right. There are people who don't like cats and they're dog people and cat people. But a lot of people like cats. And the thing about being a cat owner is if you own a cat, is sometimes you buy them something really cool or you buy something in the house and suddenly there's a box. And the cats just go cuckoo bananas for this oh, box. They do, don't they? They love boxes. And, and they jump in them, jump out of them, and they, and they, they hang out on them. And they just you go, look, I bought you this really expensive thing. Damn it, you prefer the box. A shoebox. You just put a shoebox on the floor and a cat just goes, awesome. I heard Ooh. someone relay a story that someone else told that they uh, may or may not true. have read in a Reader's Digest uh-huh. in the 50s or the 60s. Definitely not, not the, the 40s. 50s. <laughs> the... Which said that dogs, a lot of dogs, really like to stand with something covering their head. Right. So they'll stand with their head, like, underneath the tabletop. Right. And stuff like that. So all they, all they like to sit under desks and such. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. And that there's a reason for it. Uh-huh. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. No, I just... <laughs> Animals <laughs> seem to like things. But, yeah, many cats like sitting in boxes, and they're not just... Boxes that they'll fit in. Yeah, not just... Uh, well, actually, we'll get to that. Not just Felis Sylvestris catus. I mean, I'm talking all sorts of cats. Leopards do it, and lions do it, and tigers do it. And it's a really weird... It's weird, because where do you find boxes well, that's on right. the savannah <laughs> of And there it is. That's Africa. the really weird one. I'm like, well, I can find them. There's so, some great photos I found of a lion trying to sit in a washing machine box, and it's <gasps> it's just not working. Oh, I'm looking that it's up. It's a giant... Line, just looking kind of pissed off, kind of you know, I don't fit, but but they love boxes and cats like boxes. And you're right, why would they care about boxes? So it's dumb. So I had to look into like it's not like cats sit in a nest or something. No, that's well, but ha, this is one of the thoughts. Now, no one actually knows. We're gonna come out right out and say, when all the information, all the research I've done, no one says, here is the reason. And the problem is that cats are not like us. They are pursuit predators. They're not pursuit predators. Sorry, they're they're uh, we're pursuit predators. We're pursuit predators. They're um uh, stealth. That's very good. Ah, very uh, good. No, uh, no, no, that's not good. They're stalker prey kind of, but they're predators as well. But mm-hmm. they're solitary hunters more so than than we are. Yep. Um, we're sort of big group creatures because they're normally solitary. One of the ideas is they aren't very well versed in group dynamics because they don't normally have to deal with that crap. We force them to do it, but normally they don't. So when another cat, cats are dealing with cats in the wild or in your house, they when they have a problem with each other, instead of getting down and fighting it out or dealing with the problem, they have a habit of just leaving the room and just going somewhere else. And what they do is go find somewhere safe and somewhere quiet to hide. That's normally a box. But that doesn't really answer all the questions because I'm not talking about... I imagine lions would be left out of that because they tend to be fairly social, don't they? Um, yes, I guess so. They have a pride. Yeah, But the males, not particularly. No, the, I guess the, the males the, aren't. Yeah, they, they just hang out by themselves. But then again, when they get out of sorts, they get beaten up and killed. So anyway, but this doesn't answer my questions. When I read that, I went, oh, hang on. But I'm, I'm, the cats I see doing this aren't stressed. They're not angry at each other. They're just playing in a box. They went to the box for a specific reason. So that didn't really answer all the questions for me, really. Mm-hmm. It was stressed and wanted to find a small place to sit. The other one is they have a habit of sitting in small spaces. So you've got some pictures of cats in sinks or in the bin or they always seem to, or the inside a cupboard. Mm-hmm. And so the concept is that they must be going there at a small enclosed space for maybe an environmental reason. And the one I like, this one I like the most actually, the cats have a thermoneutral zone, which is pretty cool, uh, of about 30 degrees Celsius. So 30 to 33 degrees Celsius. That seems really cold. No, no, it's not. That's the human's thermoneutral zone is 23 degrees Celsius. What that means is how warm does the Uh... world have to be to make you feel comfortable? So 23 is for humans, which makes sense. We turn the air conditioner to 23, that sort of stuff. Yep. And that's when our body, our thermoneutral zone, is when we don't have to expend energy to stay warm and we're not losing that much energy. Like it's all... Which is odd because our bodies are running at like 40 degrees. 36.9, is oh. it? 36.9. Yeah, yeah, 40 yeah. means you've got a temperature. Yeah, yeah, 30, yeah, I think it's 36.9 or something like that. Maybe I'm wrong there. Walk of shame. But that, your body's running hotter, but you feel comfortable and your body's happy at about 23 degrees. Cats' bodies are actually happy at about 30 to 33 degrees. Yeah. So they run warmer than us. They want to be in a warmer environment. That's why you see cats lying in the driveway with mm-hmm. the sun on them. Because you're like, yeah. why are you in the beating sun, you idiot? It's going, well, I'm actually really happy here. This is where I want to be. Where you be hot, I'm actually really cool. Yeah. Why are you <laughs> lying on my laptop? Yes. And why are you lying on my laptop? There's a very good one. Why do you come to the, these hot things and sit on them? Because their thermoneutral zone is higher than Get this. out of the oven. That's it. <laughs> oh, wait. Stop, I put you there. Stop flicking the matches. <laughs> Edith 
placat. Now that's not that's not nice. That's a nasty joke. Anyway, oh dear. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. He was, he, he, the people who get it will get it. The people who don't don't need to. The point of this is they they want to stay warm. So staying in a box is a warm space for them. So they they keep themselves surrounded on all sides. But once again, this didn't also fill me full of. Like, I went, oh, that answers all the questions. Why is it playing? We can't really know why cats like boxes, but they do. It's really, really odd. People who look after animals, welfare centres and that sort of thing, have shown, have done experiments where you take new cats that they've brought in and they put them in a cage and they test their stress levels compared to, as like, just them hanging out. Then you put boxes in the cage and bring a whole new group of cats in and the cats are a lot less stressed and more to the point become um, normally picked up easily by humans and are given out to other humans much more quickly because yeah. a cat is calmer so we don't really know the answer but for some reason cats do like boxes they like enclosed spaces and they like a box cool so cats boxes good yes cat sacks not good cat in a bag makes all sorts of noise yeah, i think so we established <laughs> that we have, us, we have established this in that's right are you okay, Greg? You're looking a little sad. I've been to a psychologist for a few weeks. They finally diagnosed me. I have apologiophobia. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You bastard. <laughs> there is light which can damage your eyes, even though you don't know what's happening. Well, I guess so. Yeah. Yes, there is, because there's all sorts of radiation that you can get that can hurt you. UV light is constantly burning your eyes. Yeah. And that's bad. You so sun, it, sun, sunburns on your eyes. Yeah. And if, you, if there's something that isn't bright in the visible spectrum, but mm. it's very bright in the UV spectrum, yes. you don't even blink. No, you don't. Well, this is one of the big issues. If one of the stars, like a supernova, goes off nearby, which is not going to happen, don't panic, but... If it like a massive gamma burst, that's radiation. You won't even see it, and you just get fried. So you know the atmosphere can get boiled away, and all sorts of shit. Uh. Of course, radi- of course, light can hurt you without you seeing it. Moving on, yeah. infrared. Yes, that's heat. problem too. Yep. But here's something interesting: is that the cornea evolved to let visible light through. Yep. But the other light it hits the cornea, and it doesn't all pass through. A lot more of it is absorbed by the cornea oh, and right. turned into heat energy rather oh. than redirected to the retina at the back of the eye oh. where it's still heat energy but it would torch the retina which yes. doesn't heal as well as the cornea. Oh, okay. So it's like a little shield at the front. Yeah, it's like a little shield. That's cool. Oh, that cool. prevents heat. Captain America's shield. Captain America? Yeah, because yeah, he has a shield. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. It's just... It's a bit tortured. Like my eyeballs. And everyone's ears. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. I'll go sit over here. So you asked a question in a recent podcast mm. about sound, like the sound that you can't hear. Yes. If it's really, really loud, mm. could it damage your hearing? So yeah, beyond the beyond the um, actual wavelengths that we can pick up or beneath them. Yeah. Can, can, can it, So if the ampl- we're saying is the amplitude is high, but the wavelength is beyond our, our detection, can it hurt us? Yeah. Well, right. ultrasound... Uh, ultrasonic, yeah, ultrasound, yes. which is ultrasonic. Very good. <laughs> the uh, transmitters uh, actually have hearing loss warnings on them. Oh, okay. But uh. but that seems to be just a legal thing rather than an actual uh, okay. danger, right. because the mm. the tympanic membrane or the mm. eardrum mm. and the ossicular tr- chain, which is those three little bones in yep. your ears, yep. these actually prevent ultrasonic sounds from entering the cochlea. Right. That's why oh. they. That's why they're ultrasonic. Right. It's so, because the sound can't enter your ear. So you, you can't physically enter your So your, your body ear. has evolved a device or part of it that stops ultras or certain sounds from getting in. No, your oh. body has evolved <laughs> a system that actually allows certain wavelengths of sound to get in. I That's guess, the hard bit. I guess your eyes have evolved to only let in certain wavelengths of the um, <laughs> electromagnetic spectrum. spectrum. So that doesn't. So your eyes only pick up, you know, 350 nanometers to 750 nanometers. And that's it. That's what you call that color. So everything else vanishes. So I guess it's not that weird that the ear would do the same thing. Yeah, So, but it's got a kind of a gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah. The first one's the eardrum. Now, if your ultrasound is too loud, mm. it can actually burst the eardrum. Oh, wow. But you need a lot of sound to burst an eardrum. Yeah, okay. And that perforates it and tears it, mm. and you ha- it has to heal. And you would, But you would feel that in your fillings, oh, eh? Oh, f- 
Yeah. <laughs> if your eardrum perforates, you're yeah. gonna feel it. Yeah. Not. I mean, not. No. No. I didn't just. I didn't just mean in your eardrum. I mean, if someone put it on and like was dialing it up, you, you would go, "Whoa, what's going on? There's bad shit going on." And like, oh, my ears are hurting up. Oh, I'm deaf forever. Very probably. Yeah. Yeah. You'd probably feel some sort of. What I'm trying to say is, you're not just gonna walk down the street. Someone switches it on. You look a bit confused, and your ear, eardrums burst out your head. Like I it's, don't know. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Okay. But oh. maybe. Oh. Like, I wouldn't oh. surprise me if you could actually feel it. Yeah. Because it's it's got to be strong enough to actually. Move a membrane. Yeah, oscillate the so badly. Yeah, so it's probably going to be oscillating the rest of you as well. Yeah, yeah, cool. All my membranes will tear. I like my membranes. I use them for loving. Mm. Now the thing is, the the process that damages your ear with normal hearing damage mm. is much more involved than just forceful trauma. We were talking about it as though the the sound came in and like a certain wavelength of sound would resonate the little hair on the yeah in the ear and, and that's knock it how, over or something and that's how you feel that's how you detect sound yeah. but if you hit it do it too much it falls over <laughs> but these cells actually contain radical oxides that are extremely toxic to the cells but held within the cell oh right so when trauma rips, rips the cell apart the cell dumps its contents oh. into the cochlea the radical oxides start to eat away at adjacent cells and cause much more damage than the trauma ever caused what a dumb design yeah god screws up again now <sighs> The place where I read this, there's people who are actually doing research on how to prevent that oxide damage, mm. and you could actually take a pill and your hearing damage could recover. Because, like, like an because antioxidant the, the, or something. The or... pill would actually uh, stop the, the effect of the air. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. So right. if you're in a really noisy environment, rather than putting earplugs in, you can take a pill. And <laughs> So you'd still lose your hearing, but it would heal again because the, and it wouldn't, and the it, oxidants wouldn't have... Well, nowhere near as much damage would occur. Right. Okay. Weird. This led me to another thing, which is ultrasonic communication. Mm -hmm. Because we discussed this four years ago. Mm. You challenged me to explain why why sound can go around Uh, corners, but light can't. Yes. And sound can go around corners. Why who's hiding behind the other side of the door, but you can't see them there. Mm. Yes. And it's because the wavelength of sound is really big. Yes. And so it can sort of... It, it, can, it bends, basically. It bends. Yeah. Whereas it, with a really tiny wavelength, mm. it just goes straight. Yeah. It's, so something like light just goes straight. Yeah. Well, so it, it diffracts. I said, sorry, I meant, yeah. I said diffracts, not refracts. Ha-ha, caught you out, Michael Barnes. Yeah, well, he's, <laughs> listen, he's sitting there with a notepad like, waiting scr- for the walk Scratch of that one off there. <laughs> Diffraction, thank you. So... <laughs> Uh, if you've ever set up a bass speaker, mm. you can put a bass speaker anywhere in the room, mm. and you'll be able, and it's all just the same. But if you get your little tweeters and mm. you've got to set them up just where they need to be, like uh. this many things apart and this mm. far back, so that and there's like a sweet spot for listening to this is for audiophile people, yeah, right? But the bass can be anywhere, right? It can be in another room, really. It's, it's... <laughs> right. Okay. So, so the higher that sound gets. Mm the more it travels in a straight line rather than diff- diffuses everywhere. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, diffracting everywhere. So ultrasonic is a really tiny amount. Yes. So it kind of goes in a straight line. Mm. So if you fired an ultrasonic sound at someone's ear and they could actually hear something that yes. high-pitched, they'd be able to hear it, but people around them wouldn't be able to hear it. Now, you remember a couple of episodes ago you were talking about how Scientists were firing off uh, infrared, mm-hmm. and the wavelengths were doubling. Yes, and, and it would a, appear a, as a green glow, a, a, blash, a, a, a flash, flash of green. green light from infrared. Yes, and then we discovered that that's that, that's how they make blue light lasers. Mm, mm. Is they just double yes. different wavelength of light, mm-hmm. and it and it makes it blue. Same thing for ultrasound. You can mm. actually especially encode the sound that you're sending out, mm. so that anywhere down that ultrasound, it will actually boost the wavelength of the sound so that it's la- so that it's loud enough so that you can hear it but it still right. fires yes. in a really narrow beam. Oh right, so it's like wow, so close close communication basically. Yeah. You can... And so you there's no sound because it's too small. You think it was it, like god in your head. It is. It oh. sounds like because the sound is actually being created right next to your head. Yes. Not at the, where it's being broadcast because right. that's where it's doubling up. Yeah, right. Oh, my goodness. And so they're actually goodness. controlling where it's doubling up. Oh. So that it, <laughs> and so you could, yeah, you could fire it and make people think that they're hearing voices and no one else can hear it. And they're like, can't you hear that? Especially, and it'd be right next to your ear. It, it, you'd be like someone is whispering, whispering right next to your ear. Oh, that's awful and scary. Yeah, and so, oh. they, it's been, so they use it for pranks. 
Oh, so I've been using it for pranks to like <laughs> to like make make people think that they're hearing stuff. Oh, that's scary. It's the best. I want one. I've with the bigger one. The um, I saw um, like a riot truck, and it has uh, an ultrasonic cannon built into it, and it has like a sound cannon anyway. And they can direct that. They can modulate the beam of sound, so they're not just switch on the speaker and deafen everyone. They can mm. actually say, "You over there, sod off," or "I'm turning this up to a, you know a lot of decibels." Eleven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And and then blast them. I don't think it's ultrasound though. I think uh, it would have to be if it was being directed. I oh no! no. If it's parabolic dish, no, dish no, it wouldn't. Would no, it? The thing I'm thinking of is kind of it looks like a big radar dish, but it's not bent. It's just flat, a flat thing. Yeah, this is what this is. So it's probably uh, ultrasound. Ultrasound. Then. Wow, that's all. These, so that's really scary. So they, in this version, they use it for anti-rioting stuff. They could dial it down and make it into it like a hey, everyone, sort off, get off the roads. So and they could dial it up and go death to every you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you go. Sound can be your enemy. Hooray! Take that cochlear. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1945, Dan. How well, long have we been recording for? <laughs> not very long. And in what direction? <laughs> Let's say 1940. It's 1940s, Dan. Nazis. A- what? Nazis. Nazis, of course. We'll get to the Nazis. You're in a room and you've got a gun and in comes this man and he's got a little moustache. Come here, and, Fritz. And uh, well, and he goes, my name's Adolf. Uh, you... Yeah, but I called you Fritz on purpose oh, okay, because right. it's racially Racial... insensitive. Right. You German. <laughs> no, that's no, something else. No, the... Kraut. That's the one. That's the Kraut. Yeah. Oh boy, you oh. saved me a lot of embarrassment. <laughs> anyway, and what do you do, Dan? What do you do? Go. You have two seconds before the guards come barreling in and kill you dead. Give him a big hug. Oh really? Oh, okay, that was really. That's your response. Come here, Adolf. And that I'm me- going to hug the anger out of you. It's going to be okay, Adolf. And it's going to be okay. And that makes you most likely yep. a woman. Be back in 15 minutes. I'm just going to try something else. <laughs> so there's been some researchers from the United States, Canada, and Germany. They conducted a meta-analysis of 40 different studies that included over 6,000 participants who were asked lots of moral questions. And one of the questions was, would you kill Hitler to prevent World War Two. Oh, I could have prevented World War Two. Well, oh, you didn't explain that to me. <laughs> oh, that Adolf Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes. And so when they published their studies uh, the, in the Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin, they looked at whether or not men and women had equal chances of killing Adolf Hitler. If you had a chance to kill him, would you kill him? Mm-hmm. And men were like much more likely to go, oh, yeah, kill him dead, stop the war. And women were much more likely to say, no, killing to stop killing is wrong. Mm-hmm. And it came down to, to a gender thing, a really strong gender bias. And, and they're trying to, then, of course, they're trying to work out, is that cultural? Is that biological? We're not terribly sure, of course. But it did seem to be that women, so women seem to be mo, uh, more likely to have a negative emotional gut-level reaction to causing harm to people in, this dile- in these dilemmas, whereas men are less likely to express this strong emotional reaction to harm. And so they were trying to work out, is this like uh, women are more emotional than men or men are you know, less emotional than women? So the people with the more testosterone were more likely to think of violence as being a solution. Yes. And that was, well, no, well, that, was, that was what they had to try and work out. And yeah. it came down to, because they, they, that was saying, is it, is it purely biological? Is it cultural? What, what's going on there? So they started to looking at other participants. They asked about 20 questions and moral dilemmas such as, murder, torture, like when's it okay to murder? When's it okay to torture? When's it okay to lie? When's it okay to abort a child? When's it okay to conduct research on animals? So all these different things, everyone has an opinion. And you're, you're, you're on a game show and they ask you to do research on animals <laughs> that's right. that will destroy the animal. Yes. Is this okay? What or not? price? Yes. How big's the price? <laughs> it comes down to two philosophical principles related to ethics, deontology and utilitarianism. So according to deontology, the morality of an action depends on its consistency with the moral norm. Asking if you will kill Hitler to stop a war, what you're thinking is murder is wrong, in, no matter what I think, murder is wrong. So deontology says murder is wrong, therefore you don't murder. Just because Hitler's going to murder people mm-hmm. doesn't mean you should murder people. But utilitarianism says that the morality of an action maximizes utility. In other words, what is best for the greatest number of people. Ah, right. So if you're standing in front of Hitler before World War II and you kill him, that is not a wrong thing comporting to utilitarianism because it stops 
the maximum amount of harm. It does the best amount to the most people in the world. So what this research came down to was saying that women normally seem their brain seem to be more tied to deontology than to men were more tied to utilitarianism. It's just different philosophical slants on how you view the world. Now, these are very... It wasn't just that women are more likely to hate Jews. <laughs> I, I can't. I, I got... No, I, I, just I'm I'm, having an open mind I, scientifically. I, I can't. I can't. Do, I won't. I sh- <laughs> and now, back to one of the best comedies of yesteryear. What are you in for? Transient ischemic attack. You? You're lucky. The full hemorrhagic for me. Bummer. Last episode, I sent Greg into the time machine box. Target, Wiltshire, England, 2000 BC. Pimp my time. So, Greg, you're in the machine now. You're in the box. I had so much fun with this pimp my time. Oh, yeah? Absolutely. Because if people know me, me and Neolithic settlements, oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Anytime I've been to the UK and anywhere in the world, all I want to know is, do they make it out of stone and do they have toilets? <laughs> Romans had toilets, so that's not Neolithic. But even further back, Scarabray is one of the best places in the world I went to, sort of on in a Scottish island, sort of off that way, pointing his hands on a podcast. I'm giving you the thumbs up for it's, doing that, by the way. <laughs> it's normally closer to it's sort of closer to Europe than it is to, to Scotland but it's Scarabray and it's a Neolithic about 5000 BC it was made and it's even earlier than, than when you sent me and it's it's these kind of huts made of stone that are built into the ground and they had mantelpieces and closable doors and toilets so they could actually run gravity feed the, the poo closable doors yeah I don't know crazy wow that's even better than Teletubbies that's, technology it's, it's, it was a it was just the best and I'm very excited and what we don't realise is people in the past so called primitives are not primitive at all these people did amazing things so when you sent me to 2000 bc wiltshire england mm-hmm. i knew what that was ah, did you? and that is stonehenge yes, baby indeed. and i was like oh i'm in my element with my people just my peeps damn <laughs> but i still had to do a lot of research because i knew a lot about it and i knew that it was neolithic but the neolithic and the bronze age all kind of meld together like depending on so where you form the neon age is that melding no not literally melding together no not literally Oh, okay. No, no. I thought that's how you made copper or something. No, no, no. no well, copper, bronze is copper mixed with other things, zinc, I think. Ooh. Anyway, so. Oh, I have to get something out of the fire. <laughs> so, the, um, so the Neolithic Age, depending on where you are in the world, if it's Neolithic, as in stone, the new stone era, or Bronze Age. So I was like, okay, but they're probably going to have bronze. So they might have a bronze instrument. So I can't just go, I have metal, fear me, that sort of stuff. <laughs> I need to come up with some ideas. So I went, okay, first up. Iron, baby. The Iron Age won't be for another 800 years or so. So I was like, Iron, I could be Merlin. I could get them to make an iron sword and then give it to a king and that king could cut other people's bronze armor and bronze sword with his dirty great iron weapon i went yeah. that's it i'll be all over i'll be merlin from the stories it'll be right oh, so you're not go- you're not going to go i'll be arthur no 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 you're going to be no. like i'll be merlin yeah yeah i'll be the i'll be the guy because that is the more geeky version yeah, that's... But that's basically also i'm not big enough to wield that sword a guy with a bronze spear will just nip over and give me a damn good stabbing yeah, yeah, so yeah. if i'm merlin protect me arthur as i sort of race off in my robes and Woo! in a comedy way Benny Hill. Magic missile. <laughs> fireball, fireball. Anyway, then I went, how the hell do I make iron? <laughs> First step. Oh, my God. So, and I remember, I'm in the box. Iron's an element. Like, yeah, yeah. You just most of the iron? Most of our planet is iron. Yeah. Most of the, the beneath the surface, but that's beneath the surface. Uh, not going to get it. And I was like, geez, how am I going to do this? I, so I was typing to Google and Wikipedia, as everyone knows, are things I like to go to for the podcast. I discovered things on YouTube. I discovered guys who recreate Iron Age smelting techniques for YouTube using yeah. the techniques of the time. And I realized I could do it. 
How? Okay. I read. Don't you need uh, a really hot fire? No, 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 no. This is the interesting point. This is what I learned so much from this one. So I'm so excited. So you can make a clay kiln, not just a small one, just one that come up to your knees, and you have to make a big thick clay wall. It wouldn't be easy, easy. But if they can already melt bronze, they can smelt iron. Ooh. Now the interesting thing is when you're melting copper, you heat up the copper and you like your copper ore to get it out. The copper pours out the bottom, like it's it melts and and comes out, and the liquid is the copper. That's what you want. Yeah. When you're smelting iron. Mm-hmm. You can't get a temperature high enough to melt it. So what you're doing is melting out all the impurities. So the lump of iron that you have, the ore yeah. that you have, you actually melt out all the crap, all the, all the oxides and things that will come out of it. Yeah. You're actually melting those out of it. And that's not that hard to do. But, I'm, I've actually... but then you end up with like just a coral? No, 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 no. It's, it's hot. It's not melted. It's just a big red. We're jumping ahead. We're way jumping okay, ahead. Okay, sorry. Something on here. The first step is where the hell do you get iron from? Where do you get iron from? Like the core of the earth. The core of the earth, yes. The core of Chad Tate. <laughs> we and there it is. And I was like, oh no. Like once again, I'm stuffed. I'm I'm I've watched all these wonderful videos about how to do this. I'm 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 like fifteen minutes into my and I've watched video after video of this wonderful Swedish man. We'll put links to his videos. They're really interesting. If you like people who never speak and just seem to know what they're doing making <laughs> iron, it's a bit creepy. If you're listening to a podcast and you like people who never speak <laughs> You've, you've got the wrong healthy. But the point of this is, where do you get iron from? Do you, you dig it out of the ground, iron ore. Australia's got lots of iron ore. But Britain... Australia? Yeah, but Britain... That's oh, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. That's, but that's... And I was thinking... That's how I was thinking of iron. You've got to yeah. go dig up dirt. When we can't dig up dirt, I don't have that technology. Yeah. I'm screwed. You get some chalk. Plenty of chalk in... Uh, well, that's, yeah, that's right. Yes, you can't turn that into iron, I'm afraid. No. It's bodies of little animals that all died millions of years ago. And then... A term came to me, which I remembered, and that was bog iron. It's pig iron. Yeah. It's bog iron. And I went, what does that mean, bog iron? I know pig iron is kind of a really, really full of um, uh, uh, carbon. It's full of carbon and it's it's very brittle. And, And so I was like, okay, bog iron. Why does this word come to me? So I looked it up and all the answers came clear. Yeah. Bog iron comes from bogs. So no, I know, I know, I know. Oh my god, I know. But and and Britain is covered in bogs. I even looked up. There is a bog about ten kilometers from the Stonehenge site. <laughs> I am made. So you go there and you get the iron ore, the bog iron, and you get a big stick and you walk. It's a shit job, by the way. It's a, not a fun thing. A big stick, a big pointy bronze pole, a spear, if you will, and you poke the ground, poke the ground, poke the ground. Just walk ahead, poke the ground, walk ahead, poke the ground. It slips in this boggy ground. And when you find something solid, thunk, you reach in you get down there and you dig it out and you pull out a, a, a it's a looks like a rock yeah and it's a lump of bog iron it's 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 how, iron. how does it how how it's, how how born, it's, it's almost like born from an egg on a mountaintop it's, oh, it's, right. it's but it's not it's, these bogs have been being fed into by rivers from being mountains that have been decaying and and uh, de- not decaying um I suppose. decaying yes, mountains decaying i thought that's the wrong word there but as being weathered and all the iron all kind of goes into these bogs and due to different processes eroding it, even. that's the word and the iron all kind of clumps together it becomes this big lump of Iron and other things. It's, 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 oh, okay. it's, it's not iron. It just looks like a rock. It just looks like a, a big weird rock. And you need a lot of them though. Like that might be. You might pull out a two kilogram ball of crap, and you need five or six of those. So it's, yep. it's going to take you a long time. But I've got people for that. That's fine. I'll just convince them to go get. Or I'll come do it myself. Probably have to convince them to help me. Anyway, yep. so I've got my bog iron. Then I get clay. And make a kiln on the ground. And you just have a front bit so you can put all the, the wood in, in there. And then you have um, two blowers on the side to keep the air because you've got to get warm. Ah, yep. And then, bellows. Yep. And the first thing you do is you make a normal fire and you throw your bog iron in the normal. Wait, probably don't have bellows back in. Uh... You could make them, though. Yeah. You, could, you could make the bellows. if they Once again, if they're smelting bronze... They can make bellows. Oh yeah, good point. So I'm, I'm using the idea that the, the iron is only a step up from bronze. They just wouldn't have known to get the bog iron. Yeah. So they were probably already going. We're way ahead of you, Merlin. No, you're an idiot. But they might not be. So you burn the bog iron, and you uh, just to get the first process going, get all the crap off it, and you just you, and you smash it all up into pieces. Smash, 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 smash. Mm-hmm. Don't think of it as a lump of metal. It's dirt and broken rocky stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. And then you throw that into the fire, and you bellow the hell out of it and you get lots and lots of heat going lots and lots of heat and you keep like sticking the stick into the side of it uh and you you basically get all the impurities out and you heat 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 and you, heat and you just keep going 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 and then finally you crack open you actually break the kiln because it's a one-off use yep. you crack open the kiln 
and you pull out the bog iron, which is now being heated up and a lot of purities are gone, and you hold it with a big stick and you get two men with rocks to hammer the hell out of it. So you just go, hammer it, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, and you start the process of, of getting rid of more of the impurities and mm-hmm. aligning everything. So you smash it, smash it, smash it, put it back in the fire, and you take another piece, you do that, and you just keep going round and around and around. And in the end, what you have... So the bashing gets rid of the impurities. That's yes. what that is when you see a blacksmith bong, banging and stuff. Bong. And also, it's not, it's not just shaping, but that's sort of comes later so yeah. you can keep doing it you get back in the fire and you keep breaking down the fire like the kiln get more of it out because the lumps are and you bash the hell out of it you bash the hell out of it you bash the hell out of it and then it's ready well it still looks like a big lump of crap but now it's much more pure iron you've kind of got rid of most of the impurities and you're ready to go the next process is very much a similar thing you make another tiny little kiln just a very small one you put the bog iron there you heat the hell out of that again it's not bog iron anymore it's the processed iron it's sort of you take it out and you heat it up again with bellows just technology that you yeah. have get rid of more impurity and then you hammer the hell out of that and that's when the spear makers the bronze spear makers would have to come in because I wouldn't know how to do that so they could make a sword they're going to make a same sword the same spear that they would have made with bronze but now they're making out of iron and therefore it's harder and you can stick it through more people and my people would have iron weapons and iron helmets and iron breastplates so when you went up against them with your little bronze stuff it's a good chance you won't pierce it it's a good chance i will pierce yours or i won't arthur will charge (laughs) on in and give you a damn good stabbing and that was one of my, my first idea. That was all done in 30 minutes. Ah, nice. I was so excited. Okay, that's one. So I've got two. So I've, I've made this too easy for you. Then, but I was just like, I, things just came to me. And then I was like, okay, cool. All right, so I've got iron. And I was like, I've got, I've got 30 minutes. I can, I can just watch some porn. No, no, I won't watch porn. <laughs> Last time ever before, <laughs> before I get sent back. No, I went, okay, what else can I have? What do these people have? So I went, okay, well, if I can do the iron thing, what happens if I can't do the iron thing? What happens if I get back and they go, bronze? No, 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 we're truly Neolithic. We, no, no, we use stone. Then I'm screwed. Because I do need their level of technology, like ah. some understanding. So I was like, okay, well, that would be very bad. And, and I could find someone else, but what happens if they're not around? All these people just decide to kill me. So I went, okay, what can I do? What will these people need? So they need to eat. They live together in little huts, conglomerations of huts. And the biggest problem I read about them having, these people, was they would they only just started farming like in the last couple of thousand years. Ah, and the big agriculture. issue... Agriculture was around now. They weren't hunter-gatherers, they, they were, but they weren't very good at it. No. Their big problem was they couldn't get too big because they would farm the living hell out of a place... And the ground would die, basically. They couldn't, ah, and right. they would have to go. They'd have to leave. And they would have to go off somewhere else and find new land. Of course, that's owned by someone who goes, why don't you get the hell out? And there's wars and problems. Yeah. And it would take, they said, they knew that it would take about 20 years, 10 to 20 years to come back before you can come back to that land and use it again. Oh. So you get too big, you can't feed your people because you're constantly moving. You can't stay where you are. And as we all know, societies need to stay put if you want mm-hmm. to get bigger and better. So I went, okay, what do we need to do? We crop need Crop rotations. Crop rotations. Thank you very much. Crop rotations. So I went, oh, brilliant. Crop rotations. I can do that. That's something I can teach them to do because they're all growing. They're growing. Every some... six months you get all the wheat and you take it out and you put it in upside down. That's, <laughs> that's exactly how it is. Eat the bread on the roots. And... Right. No, what you do is you need and to... And that stupid mechanic wanted to charge me money to rotate my tires. <laughs> they do that already. <laughs> So, I, okay, what do we need? We need to get something that gets nitrogen back into the soil. And that was legumes. And I was like, ah, oh, legumes, beans. Yeah. yeah, beans. Okay, so you have your, you have your wheat. or I think, I think they had wheat. I think it was wheat. I didn't actually check that maize. No, no, it was wheat. America had maize. We'll say wheat. Okay. And they're growing wheat. I'm sorry if it wasn't wheat. And they're growing wheat. And then, of course, they're depleting the soil. Beans. And they can grow a crop of beans after the wheat, and that will actually, the nodules on the legumes and the roots will actually capture nitrogen from the air. And when you plow it all back in, it puts nitrogen back in the soil, and you're ready to go with the wheat. Problem solved. One problem. One problem. Legumes only made it to Britain Uh in the 15th century AD. Oh, that's a long time in the future. That's a long time in the future, 1,700 years later. And I went, well, that's fine. I'll go get them. Uh, No no, problem. 3,500 years later. Oh, yes, you're right. Sorry. Yes, 3,500 years. Sorry. 2,200. Yeah. Uh, Even worse. And I went, oh, well, okay. That's that's fine. That's fine. I'm clever. I'll just go get them. Uh, You're clever, are you? I'm I'm clever. I think you've just proven you can't even do basic (laughs) basic math. 
basic man. All right. No, I think I think I've just yeah. All right. And that uh, was karma. That was. I will go and get them. I'll go get the legumes. I'll bring them to Britain. From where? And well, that was the question. Where typed it in and South America. South America. I'm not going to South America to, no. get, to get beans. No, uh, two thousand BC. A, you'd need a better boat. <laughs> Going to need a bigger boat. With the uh, with the what were the Vikings up to then? They had decent. The Vikings that was a bit later, and uh, no, the Vikings. No, the Vikings. Sorry, the Vikings were around then. They they might have gone over there one th- like in the future, like one thousand or even like five hundred. Uh, no, but not, not now. Not oh, now. Right. It's too too early right. for them to have gone. Uh, and I don't really want to go. Hi, I was in Britain. Now I'm I'm here talking to you. Like this is pre-Viking invasion time. Yeah. For, for Britain. So yeah, you don't want to be like uh, I'm trying to make civilization better. Vikings. Hi, yeah. I come from over there. <laughs> That's a, Lots of warm soil. Yeah. Trying to make things even better for us. That's right. <laughs> What's this you put inside me? <laughs> Let's put everything into it, Greg. Let's put everything into it, Greg. (laughs) So, problems. I was like, oh, man. And I was really bummed out by that. I was like, oh, because there's nothing else I can fix this soil with. I was like, oh. And then I realized the clock was ticking down. Mm -hmm. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Because I really was sitting there for ages going, "What what other crop could I put in there? What other crop could I, what other can I do? And then I went, you moron. And I typed in a word that everyone should be doing if you owned land. Poop. poop compost yeah compost and i just very quickly read about compost when i know how to do this i know how to compost they've got animals that poop yeah. and they can put it in a pile and they can make compost and you put that on they didn't know how to do that they didn't have any concept that that's what was required uh-huh. and that i could save this soil so but the time machine blasting me back into the past i am ready to take the neolithic people straight to the iron age bypass 800 years of friggin around and get their crops going so not only would be well fed would be armed to the goddamn teeth so you got your traveling to the iron age by way of the poop age that's right i will take us to the poop age i'll give you the links to the videos for the watching this guy oh, cool. it, it is honestly worth watching he's very interesting making his own iron age weaponry now he's doing it from the iron age from that's he's pretending yep. it's the Iron age i stole it for the yeah age. but dan yes this will tie into something we talked about earlier Uh-oh. you're going to get sent back to 1920 oh wow germany oh wow <laughs> That's where you're going. Time to get my revolver (laughs) and my hug machine. Walk of shame. Oh, oh yeah. No, I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) You better be ready, Dan. You're the only one who's got one that we're going to be using today. Go. Shame Uh, me. Oh, gosh. I just realized I don't have the name here. I'm pretty sure it was Michael Barnes. Well, then don't say it. If you're not sure, then just say a listener. That's fine. A listener sent this in. Oh. At 12.03, mm-hmm. it was Michael Barnes. It was definitely Michael Barnes. That's what he does. Okay. Greg is heard relating the tale of his youth flying the skies in the New Zealand Highlands in a Fokker friendship. F- New Zealand? Funny. No. What? New Guinea, sorry. Yeah, Did I say yeah, yeah. New Zealand? Yes. You said New Zealand. New Guinea. New Guinea. In a, uh, Fokker. Fokker's a funny name yeah, for a right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I bet when you were a kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Fokker friendship. I, I'm just happy with the hug. That was always my joke. Ah, nice. <laughs> Because of the ceiling of the Fokker, you couldn't clear the mountains. Yes. And you'd end up crashing into a mountain at 600 kilometers per hour. Yes. Okay. We had to go through a pass. Yeah. You had to go to a pass and like turn left at the pass. Now, he says, if it's prior to 1987... Was it prior to 1987? It was 1987. It was 1987. So the plane probably was prior to 1987. The year the first <laughs> Fokker 50 was certified for flight, this was the successor to the Fokker 27 Friendship, which had a cruising speed of 260 kilometres per hour. <laughs> okay. I see. Oh, uh, easily, easily survived okay, the impact okay, of the mountain. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, He's got me he, there. He has. Shush. <laughs> Okay, even if it was later, the Fokker 50 only had a top speed of 560 kilometres per hour. Easily survivable. Now, you said a Fokker airport could could crash into the side of a mountain at 600 kilometres per hour in 1988. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, I'm going to... Right, fair enough. You calling me out? You calling me out, Barnsley? Fine, fine. I'll play this game. Maybe the plane was heading diagonally down into the mountain. Maybe the plane had slammed into something and then plummeted down with the engine still running accelerating 45 degrees down and we hit the ground at 600 kilometers an hour. I am so glad you came up with that idea because it. it's 
Raw. Ah, it's the walk of shame in the walk of shame. <laughs> now, I was thinking, yeah, if you were pointing down, yes. you could you could get faster and faster until you yes. hit the ground. Yep. What's the terminal now, velocity it, of a fir- Imagine operation? if you were flying straight at the ground. Yes. You might be able to exceed the maximum speed. But after having a bit of a think about this, mm. I don't think it's true because your plane isn't just falling towards the ground. It's pushing itself through a medium. Yes. Through I suppose air. it's flying anyway. Yeah. Yes. So the maximum speed is in relation to the air around it. So if its terminal velocity is faster than 600 kilometres per hour, then yes, yes you could go faster by flying at yes. the ground. Yes. But you can only push yourself through water downwards as fast as You're you right. can go sideways I, I don't. I don't know what the terminal velocity of a Fokker French is. Why so. don't I tell you? Oh, <laughs> oh great. Now, this is with some... Difficult. <laughs> this was difficult to work out. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. I'm so, intrigued how you work this out. Okay. So the, the terminal velocity of the Apollo command module was about 370 kilometers per hour. Right. It was five tons. Yes. Okay. The Fokker is 12 tons. Now, I worked out through a, quite a clever little program okay. that allows you to put in all the variables and right. stuff. Things like, things like the fact, like the fuselage, that and it's, the, you know, like, you know, it's going to be a long, skinny thing that pushes It's a long, skinny thing yep. that sort of was designed to, to push go, through the air, not yep. like a car. Yeah. Well, I suppose a car is too, but not a car dropping no, vertically. No. <laughs> so Take that, the, Furious the, 7. The difference between a, a plane dropping on its belly yes. or flying I'm assuming the plane is heading straight, straight you're down. You're powering it down, yes. Okay. Like, yeah. I worked out that the terminal velocity of a Fokker mm-hmm. is roughly 400 kilometres per hour flying <laughs> straight down so it's trying to force itself down yes so it can actually fly faster down pushing itself through the medium than gravity will pull it down yeah okay yep okay hang on how fast will gravity pull it down terminal velocity is how fast gravity will pull it down so 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 it it can actually force itself through the air faster than so what's what's the the top speed of a fokker 560 kilometers per hour was it in the new one Oh, okay, the new one, right? Okay, yeah. but the one I was flying in was a two hundred and sixty-seven or three hundred and something, Pro- probably. Yeah, okay, so four sixty, four sixty. Okay, so it, it can pull itself through the air faster. Got yeah, it. okay, yeah. So because gravity, because okay. terminal velocity is how fast you go with gravity pulling you down as you fall through the air. But this is the point I'm trying to make. It's not just terminal velocity here. As you point at the ground, you have engines pulling you through the air. So gravity's pulling you down, which would accelerate you naturally to, what was it again? 500. 400 kilometers per hour. 400 kilometers an hour. But your engines are pulling you as well. So the plane will go faster than 400 kilometers an hour straight down. It will only go as fast as its top speed. Top speed, yes. Because it doesn't add? Yeah, yeah, it's not going to add up. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, okay, yes, that's fine. Right, good. Which doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, that seems... It does. Like, yeah, we've worked yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. But the... Because the air is buffeting you back. Common sense yeah. implies that you could actually fly towards the ground what, faster than What you're trying sideways. to do is add two accelerations. In your mind, yeah. you're saying the acceleration of the plane plus the acceleration due to gravity, but they're not. I mean, there is... What you're not taking into account, of course, is the air pressure pushing back. So, yeah. so you can't... So at no point could my childhood self have crashed into a mountain in Papua New Guinea at 600 kilometres an hour. Except... <gasps> except... Yes... If you're in a high tailwind, yes. <laughs> of course, the plane is only flying as uh, mm, in mm. Uh, that speed in relation to the air around it. Mm. So, if mm. you're in like the the newer one that can travel at 560 kilometers per hour, mm. and you're in a 50 kilometer per, tailwind. per hour tailwind, <laughs> you could yes. totally crash into a mountain. Oh. But right. <laughs> the highest mountain in New Guinea is yes. 4,884 meters, and the ceiling of a Fokker 50 is 7,620, oh. so it could have gone across the top. Maybe your dude was just trying to save fuel. No, I think it was a radar issue. It didn't have radar. It didn't have anything, so it was only by sight. I'm, I'm trying to remember things now oh, right. when I was 13 or 14, so it, this, this may be very wrong, and I apologise to Air New Guinea for besmirching their good name back then, but <laughs> uh, that I, that's what I remember, that they didn't have the radar. So to go up and over a mountain is actually... You, you, you're coming from Port Moresby. There's not a lot of space. It's just suddenly mountain. 
Like, you know what I mean? It's not like a, it's not flat like Australia with a mountain. Yeah. It's like dirty great mountain coming out of the sea. Mm-hmm. So to go up is actually kind of, and you talk about clouds and things. So yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe why, why do they go to 7,000 and come down? Maybe it is just cheaper to fly yeah. low. But the ceiling, you said it was this because mm. of the ceiling of the Fokker? Yeah. No, it's not, not true. You can fly it pretty high. Thank you. They, they'll fly it. There you go. There you have it. My whole childhood's a lie. Yeah. This isn't quite a walk of shame, mm-hmm. but someone listens to our supermarket one, how to deal with a zombie apocalypse when, you've, when you're when you stuck in a supermarket. Oh, yes, yes. That's a little while ago now. Yes. And this person said, make a bomb with fertilizer from the gardening aisle, chemicals from the pool aisle and the mm-hmm. cleaning aisle, and for added effect, shrapnel from the hardware aisle. You can. You I don't have the skills for that, though. So this person sounds like a psychopath. <laughs> Let's not go anywhere near them. I hope uh, they worked out where you live, Dan. So I'd like to thank my mother for sending that <laughs> in. <laughs> Could you... <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Everyone loves Bob Marley. Okay. Everyone loves That's Bob. a bold call. I'm, I'm going out there. Put in the walk of shame if you want to. But uh, everyone the loves... The sheriff doesn't. <laughs> the sheriff is again. The sheriff <laughs> well, and he have, no, have had a falling but out. But the deputies were fine. So it's all good. They, 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 he got outvoted. But who I don't and haven't got as much for is his son, Ziggy. Ziggy Marley. Yep. Ziggy, Ziggy Marley has created a song called I Don't Wanna Live on Mars. Ooh. Him's fighting words, Marley. song but i'm angry i'm pretty angry how do you feel about it dan well i do like that it's anchored you but, <laughs> but it, it, it's not good it's not good it's not good and it's just it's rubbish very simplistic it's, i just think it's not a zero-sum game ziggy 
If that's your real name, which it isn't. And thank God. It's thank not you. his name, it's not Z. This concept of you kind of have to look after the planet and be all kind of nice. Yeah. Or that's, go, good. that's good. That, that's message. good. Or we go to Mars. It's not, it's not either or. You can do both. In, I just want to say, do you enjoy talking to your condenser microphone there, Ziggy, to sing? Do you enjoy recording things with lasers? This is all space technology, Ziggy, that came from people going to the moon and the world didn't go boom, Ziggy. All I'm saying is you're taking a very simplistic view of a very serious point. I like him. Oh. We should have him on this show. Oh. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And the other angry fellow is Greg at smartenough.org. Uh, actually, go along and follow us on Twitter at SE2KB. That's right. We're well, individually there, too. That's we are. We are. You can look at, you'll find yep. us. You'll, you'll find us. DNA beast. That's right. And yeah. at the war. And Facebook, of course. Facebook. We've had lots of communications with people recently on Twitter, which is fantastic. Thank you very much for having conversations. We do try and chat to everyone, at least say hi, acknowledge your existence. Yep. So don't be shy. Come on forward. Say hi to us. We are lovely people. You it, can check out the show notes if you go to smartenough.org, and we, there's links to lots of the stuff that we've talked about. And then you right. can chat about it afterwards in the comment section. That's right. Please do. We always try, try to write back on those as well. Of course, rate us. And subscribe, 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 subscribe. Very important to subscribe, ladies and gentlemen. It's the only way that iTunes knows that we're loved. And rate us as well, please. Write a little review. We've only had, a, I think the last review we had was October last year. That's a long time. That's a long time. It's time for another review. Yeah. You can say you can review. You can, you can say what you like. You can give any number you like as long as it's a five. <laughs> And don't cross me. I am all riled up. My blood's all... Oh, I'm really annoyed. Yeah, I can tell. <sighs> you need to have a Bex and a lie down. I need to send someone to Mars. Right to the Mars! And as we always like to say... Right to the Mars! Ouch. I am nine episodes deep into the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Any good? I watched the first episode and went, maybe a little bit kitsch. Mm. Put in a bit more time and even episode two, I was like, oh, this is great. This is really, I found myself just gut laughing. Okay, cool. Annoying Aurelie. Because we've taken to sitting in bed and watching different shows next to each other. (laughs) So she's trying to watch Downton Abbey and it's like, I'm sorry, Mrs. McGuffin, but your son has died in the... (laughs) Kimmy! Yes, the Unbreakable Downton Abbey. There you go. That'd be awesome. Just do this thing. All right. Because I can't hang around forever. Can't no. hang around forever, man. And I don't want you to. You do. Don't even, don't even try to pretend. Get out. <laughs> so how's your week in science been? It's been interesting, actually. Uh, oh, hang on. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Things don't... Fuck. It's awful. So boring. No science at all. Just magic, magic, magic. <laughs> Edward Norton will be older. Maybe that was... And Brad Pitt will be older. And Marla will be older. They'll all be older. Ah, oh, it's going to be so good. Let's just do that. Entropy, entropy. <laughs> That's right. A listener has actually sent in a song. For the Walk of Shame? Not for the Walk of Shame. <sighs> for Pimp My Time. Ooh. And has based it on the Are You Going to Scarborough Fair music. And has actually, so her name is... How current. How current. That's, well, if you're in time, it is. If you're in a time oh, machine, it could be yes, right on right, it. Right. Absolutely. It could be a top 20 hit from the from the Middle Ages. Not knowing when that song was written. It's All probably right. in the 60s. Anyway, so it's Carletta Abbeyank. Thank you very much, Carletta. We'll play that and everyone can hear Carletta's version of how we should do Pimp My Time. I will be honest, it's not very pimping. I'm just going to say that. Okay. <laughs> but we do love it. Are you traveling back to the past Where people look and smile like a crowd Their teeth fall out, do they even care? But they think we're making them sick 
I'm glad. I'm good. Good. Glad that that song has happened. Uh, now, in this week's entry, we're going to send you back to before, all the way through time before that song began. <laughs> Which we can't use it then for copyright reasons because it wasn't written yet. That's a lot longer than the six seconds that we've back that we put on the walk of shame, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. Thank you so much, Carletta. It means a nine-year-old can listen to us. Yeah. So, and they're the future. <laughs> Not this one, obviously. He's going to be completely messed up. No, no, no. He's, 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 he's doomed. Yeah. He's totally doomed.